I'm in Max, Max, Max. You are listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 29, Episode 10 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. I'm Stork. And in this episode of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast... We have another question from Ruth England from England's D10 of questions. Okay. That was so successful last time. And (laughs) Daniel from Australia sent us five questions. Although he said he sent about seven, but he did say about, so okay. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. If you'd like to watch the show live, we'll do the show at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time at happyjacks.org slash live. HappyJacksRPG at gmail.com. Or did I say HappyJacks.org slash live for our email address? I don't know. I was marveling the fact that you do it all in one breath now. <laughs> yes. I was sitting here thinking, Matt, he's But I may have down. done it poorly in one breath. <laughs> you notice the frame is off? Yeah, I did. Did you control Z? There's control Z works now on OBS. I know. OBS. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. HappyJacksRPG at gmail.com. If you'd like to watch the show live, go to HappyJacks.org slash live at 7.30 p.m. on Fridays, Pacific Standard Time. I'm having all kinds of things with the volume here. All right, so, so let's start with a let's start with an email. No, should I, should I should I tell the second story about McDonald Douglas? I told Stork two stories of stupid things I did when I worked at McDonald Douglas. Uh-huh. I've been reading. Uh, 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 I'm I, don't, on my, I don't know if you want to out your your shenanigans. In not the first facility. one. Not the first one. The to second the, one to the, to the populace at large. I'll, I'll Why would you even <laughs> say that there's two then? <laughs> So I'll do mean it to everybody. I apologize. Okay, well, you want me to tell the story? I can tell. I it. don't know. I don't, I, this is the first I've heard of this. It's how this is how dumb twenty-four-year-olds are, and why they should never be hired defense contractors. <laughs> do, do we need? The, is that something we didn't know? <laughs> so I, I worked at I worked at a defense contractor. Mm-hmm. It was a large airframe manufacturer in Long Beach. If you don't know who that is, probably go on Wikipedia and figure it out. I think you just said the name a couple minutes. Like, did yeah. I say, did I say, okay, McDonald Douglas. So. <laughs> And when I worked there, um, they they gave they gave me a username and password for the mainframe because mm. we didn't have individual computers. We had this big blocky plastic covered terminal with a CRT. It looked like an iMac if the keyboard was attached. Remember the iMacs, the co- colored ones, oh, the yeah, Florida yeah. LCD screens. Yeah. Was it, it was the terminal green? Was it green or was it? Oh, orange? it was green. It was green. There were yeah the two flavors. It was green yeah, orange or green. It was a green screen. And so, and we used it to like write articles, and I'd send the articles, and you'd take it, and, and you had to learn some command. It was all command line, mm-hmm. and you had to, it, and there was commands to so I could like transfer the, the text file I just saved to my editor's her home directory. But it turns out everyone's home directory had a name that was your employee ID number. Mm-hmm. So C blah 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 six digit number was mine. I would log into my terminal. And once you were logged into the terminal, as far as I could tell, nothing, there was no more security after that. Yeah. So I would like, I could go into, I could put in my editor's user ID number with like, with like a change directory command. And boom, I'm in her directory. I could list everything in it. If I want to read anything in it, do anything I want. And I would like, like move the story to her thing so she could read it and do whatever kind of editing this she needed is, this to do. This is the late 80s, early 90s. There is no actual internet yet. No. This well, is all 
there, there, okay. not wasn't being used there's by no normal malware, people. There's no malware. There's no passwords. There's no. no there's well, yeah, no, I had a password. I did have a password. I think it's important also to point out that like you weren't editing. You're not talking about like writing and editing like code for missiles. No, 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 no. no I was no. writing articles for the company paper. Yes. Okay. That's so, an important thing. But that doesn't matter because all that other stuff was on there too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well then. So, as far as I know, as okay. far as I know. So, I, so at one point, I realized it didn't take very long that if I knew someone's employee ID number, I could go look at their files. Oh God! Now, I didn't go around and snoop a bunch, but I would look. At, get curious. You'd get curious, right? <laughs> and it's like, well, I don't want. Well, I got. I, I, you know, this guy gave me his employee ID number because I need to send him an article because he needs to approve it. Well, I don't want to go snooping his stuff, mm-hmm. obviously. So I'd like, well, his his employee number was three two three one two six. So I'm going to go look at three two three one two five and see who the, I don't even know who that is. And I go look, and I and I don't even know how I knew this, but I was able to discern executable files from like text files and things. And I would run programs to see what would happen. <laughs> what? Right. On right. the mainframe computer for a billion dollar defense contractor. As God is my witness, what's the worst that can happen? Wow. And I, yeah. I, I found some really cool shit. What? Yeah. I mean, of course you did. No, nothing classified. You think? You don't know. No, because there, there was there were things where like you would see you would see things. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They, they were they. They weren't trying to entrap you into espionage. Okay. <laughs> put it that way, right? It's like the same reason they put a, a, my, the other story, which I'll tell in a second. That the the, t- the the cover sheet for a, like a top secret, or a, no, we didn't have top secret stuff, but a secret document. Mm-hmm. That that's like your last warning. Oh, okay. Like if you open a folder and you see the cover sheet, the slip, mm-hmm. the cover sheet that says secret, blah 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 blah, blah and what, what, you know, everything it says on it, and with like red stripes across it. You kind of know if you turn that page, you probably just committed a felony, yeah, okay. and you probably should close the folder and go. So. Yes, right. But it's, it is the last line of defense mm-hmm. for top secret material is a sheet of a thin sheet of paper <laughs> right. with top secret on the top. <laughs> like, you're in trouble if you're not supposed to be looking at this. So one step but, above a post-it note. But mm-hmm. I, I was like, I had no fear. I'm like, what's this? That's an executable. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I would just run these programs. And I stopped because my, my editor is like, "What are you doing?" It's like I'm poking around on the computer because I, I was like, "At least she heard a lot of typing, and I've already turned all my stories in, so I'm I don't have anything I need to be writing." Yeah. <clears throat> and I say, I'm, I'm, and she's like, "I don't know, that's a good idea." Yeah. <laughs> Smart <laughs> she woman. Me, she didn't tell me not to do it, but she's <laughs> like, "It's not a good idea." So, and I'm 24. I'm filled with not good ideas. Yes. So, I run this one program, and it gives you this little cryptic message back. And like, not five minutes later, her phone rings, and she's like, "Yeah, uh huh, yeah, hold on, it's for you." <laughs> and I pick up the phone, and some guy in one of the engineering departments—I don't even know which program he was in—he's uh, like, "Yeah, you just executed a program, did I?" <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah," and the, here's the thing. We accidentally deleted it out of our out of our home folders, and we can't find it now. Do you remember where you found it? <laughs> <clears throat> and I said yes. It was under employee ID number, blah blah blah. blah I keep <laughs> employee ID number, blah 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 blah. That it was under this name. Oh, thank you. The guy hangs up, and then I look at her, and she's <laughs> like, 
I don't think you ought to be fucking around the computer anymore. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to fuck yeah, around the computer anymore. Plan. <laughs> Instead of going to jail, they almost pinned a medal on you. <laughs> you got that close. Right. We could have gone either way, right there. That and phone call and that cold. Right. Did you put the two together when the phone rang? Did you go? Did you have that sinking feeling? Like, oh shit. No, not until she glared at me. Oh. As <laughs> well, she, she glared at me, I knew. Yeah, you're like, oh she no. She glared at me a lot. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> and the the second thing. Was I at the, at the time I was working nights, and we had a like a like an office supply room. It was a big office. We had three hundred people that worked in the presentation. Yeah, and it's department. back when people used paper and stuff. And a lot of it. Yeah. So we had all kinds of different kinds of paper and different sizes of paper and pens and pen all that shit. Carbon copies. Miniographs. We didn't. No, we didn't have typewriters anymore. So we didn't have. We didn't have. You have carbon paper anymore. No. But one of the things they had big stacks of were classified document cover sheets. Mm. So it's like, it's printed on two color and it says like secret across the top and then there's like like uh, diagonal lines that are red. So it's like really stands out. This is, and it has like the little corporate logo in the bottom of it mm-hmm. and it said, you know, violation, blah, blah, blah. All the boilerplate legal shit they put on that kind of stuff. And I was looking at it and I'm like, oh. you know, I'm running a GURP cyberpunk game. Did you hit record? Okay, cool. Oh, what happened? Oh, no, it's on. Oh, Was you, it? Oh, you weren't streaming? No. <laughs> We're streaming now. Hi, everybody. Hey. <laughs> if you want to hear a really good story, <laughs> I should have I should have kept control of it myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought, I don't know, for some reason I thought, I don't know, I'm tired, sorry. It's if probably wanna, a good thing. I think we just saved Stu's life. Yeah, if you, if you want to hear a really cool story about how stupid 24-year-olds when they're working at defense co- contractors are, listen to the podcast Oops, when it comes sorry. out. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> We've been streaming for about ten minutes, Sorry, and we're recording for about ten minutes. I apologize. So the so the the second stupid thing <laughs> was at, at, when I was working at nights, mm-hmm. and and they had the in the in the the office supp- supply room, they had big stacks of cover sheets for conf- confidential and secret. Um, so you could, and they they're cool looking, and I happened to be running a GURP cyberpunk game at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I want one of those cover sheets to put on my. It's cool. It, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Like a yeah. real, yeah. actual cover sheet yeah. from classified yeah, documents. We, we talked about uh, last week about our favorite props, right? Because you were right. Mr. Props and stuff, and that like fits right in your oh, milieu. Yeah. You would be like, oh, here's the. Okay, not only does this look cool, because it's back back before there was like a lot of color printing and charts and stuff. You would have had like oh, an yeah. official document. Yeah. And yet, now cool. I could just make one, yeah. or I could probably download one off the internet. Probably, internet. yeah. But. I thought it would be really cool. And I got, got really close to taking it, and then I just put it in my briefcase and leave. And then I realized, about one out of every ten times, when I come through with my briefcase, they asked me to open it, and they rifle through it. And if they were to see a secret cover sheet in there, even if there's nothing else with it, I would be asked some very serious questions. <laughs> so I decided not to. That one I did, at the very least, you get a good glaring at by your editor. Oh, she would probably at that point suggest that they fire me. <laughs> she, yeah, she put up with a lot of shit. Lori is, was her name. Is yeah. her name? She works. I think she works up. She's still not different part of the company. I think she still works for them. Oh. All right. Uh, so we have uh, we have our D ten questions from Ruth from England, mm-hmm. and then Daniel sent us five questions. We'll probably do one or two of those. Okay. Some of, some of those are big topics. Yeah, I noticed. Okay. So, uh, who wants to roll, roll the D10? Let me find because on my sheet, I scratched off this, this, this one. Okay. I will do it. 
But I have to find a D10 first. I have it here. I, think I should have just grabbed any of the Inukai ones. I should have. Like, Alright. Two! Giving characters a little extra spice. Does someone else want to read this, or do you want me to read this? Uh, we don't have it, so... Yes, you do. do it. Nope. Yeah. Just make yeah. sure you give these back to me. Thank you. Question two, Stork. Giving characters a little extra spice. Spicy. The spice. The mm-hmm. spice is life. What are you? Uh, what are your tried and true methods for giving characters a little bit of extra texture outside of the steps <laughs> of character gen? I used to be a big supporter of the method of giving my new characters Hogwarts houses and MBTI. I gotta look that MBTI up. MBTI types. Uh, now I. Now I ask as many loaded questions as I can, and then come up with a nice list of things that the character does. Like, if they had an 80s TV show, what would they be doing in the intro? Reading a book in a spooky library? Swashbuckling with a sword atop a biplane? That really helps me uh, helps set me set expectations to uphold or subvert. Okay. Myers-Briggs. Uh. All right, okay. Which is... <laughs> What are the but go- useful for useful ca- to make a character? Yeah. Yeah, totally, but not useful for people. What are your best <laughs> What are your best tips here for making characters that are fun to have at the table? Do you always give them a big flaw, a complex goal? Do you port in any systems like bits from Burning Wheel or aspects from Fate? Period. Uh, I like to play this cool game that's based on tarot called Decma. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Which is available. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, goldenlossagames.com. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that's basically what Decima is. It's like, like a character gener or uh, character generating questions. Um, I think that coming up with like random questions or like I love the idea of doing like, okay, if you're if you your character was a kid in the eighties, which TV show would they be watching on Saturday mornings and stuff right. like that? As long as everybody knows what you're talking about in the group and is like able to answer that question made jokes with some friends about 80s cartoons the other day and they were like oh I wasn't born yet and I was like I know what all my friends on the podcast feel like I now. was just going to say now you know now I know how it feels <laughs> you used to mock us for <laughs> archaic references and now I, you're that person I know I am that person so <laughs> <laughs> time um, marches on I know it does um, so I really like that and I also think um, giving your character a goal is pivotal is pivotal. Even if you never tell anybody else that goal, um, always tell your GM that goal if you can, because it's right. super nice for them. But that lets you know like what direction your character would be going, no matter what happens with the rest of the plot. And that can change as you play. Sure. But of the of the things you listed, like giving them a complex goal is very vital and important. See, I when I read this, because I play so infrequently, I immediately assumed this question was about NPCs. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it works for that yes. too. And and I had never thought of using Myers Briggs classifications, which to me, even reading through the the definitions of what INTFJ or yeah, yeah. are supposed to mean, it reads to me like a fucking horoscope, <laughs> which I believe has about as much foundation in science. But <laughs> I, I I generally use like role playing prompts. Now that's different for NPCs than it is for your character, right? Right. But I always put in like little prompts like uh nervous, um mm-hmm. suspicious, uh friendly, gregarious, just two or three like adjectives to sort of describe what the character's like so when I'm portraying the character I'm portraying it 
consistently, mm-hmm. you hopefully. But I, but I think that I think that using Myers Briggs for that would be fantastic if I could continue to remember what all those things m- mean five minutes after I read the definitions. Okay. And what is the other thing he mentioned about? Oh, like the uh, aspects of fate. Oh, like like, yeah. uh, like a Hogwarts house. Yeah, very similar. Wheel stuff. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Use a horoscope. Use horoscope. Absolutely, too. you can hundred percent do that. Totally There's a good. lot of people who any do that. bullshit way people classify people. You can use for characters. Yeah, anything. Um, <laughs> when I was uh, in theater, we had a, a like a color system to, for like. Um, like oranges are really outgoing and, and gregarious and stuff like that. Uh-huh. There was like a whole that they taught us for um, to like when you get uh, something handed to you as an audition, like pick a color and then you can immediately identify. Oh, this person is blue. They're emotional and kind of introverted. Right. So that that was something I I still use to this day. I like read it and because of all my my theater training. Oh, this person's a green. Okay, like so it, it's color just color analysis. Is that what that's called? I don't know. I I think there might have been something like that. They literally handed us a sheet that was like about like acting, like an improv, like pick, like like. Oh, okay. So I think at one point it was based on color analysis, but they didn't present it to us as it, like a scientific thing. It's just a shorthand for yeah. the actor no, too. Co- well, so co- color color analysis. I heard about this. I only knew about this because I took kept taking a film school class mm-hmm. in college that you got to w- watch a free movie every Monday. <laughs> yeah. Because poor college students, you get to see a free movie every yeah. week. So, um, and there was a kid in the class. We had, uh, I can't think of the name of the movie. Blue Velvet was the movie, mm-hmm. and what's his name came in and talked afterwards. David Lynch. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, someone did a color analysis of Blue Velvet as they were watching it. Um, and he had a very funny quip after that, but that's not not relevant. Okay. But that's what that's the only time I found out about it. And they they use it to classify the characters. Oh yeah, it's probably the same <clears> thing. <throat> Each character has yeah. a color. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's something similar to that. And just because I did that for so many years, that's what I tend to jump to. But right. anything you know that can like classify them. I've talked about it before, and, and I still use it. But it's again, it's an actor shortcut, which is the animal forms. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And and I know like if you. If you think it's all woo woo woo, it's it was something that Anthony Hopkins used in Silence of the Lambs. He played um, Hannibal Lecter as a lizard, right. very reptile-like, <laughs> which motivated the whole thing, yeah. and then the, the never blinking and the very monotone. All of that stuff was motivated from reptile. Well, even if it's woo, like if it puts you in the frame of <laughs> mind of the true. character, like that's true. Like getting into a character oh, doesn't it? have to be scientific. <laughs> no, not at all. No, whatever gets you there. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, but for main characters, for like characters I'm playing lately, I've just been basing it off of uh, movies and stuff or people like uh, like Rockford Files, like a detective. Right. I was like, I'm deep diving. What's my, who's my favorite? It's detective? funny because the character you made is almost Harry Dresden. I think because <laughs> once I started thinking about it, I'm like, I think that that's where he started. It was the same place I started. I'm going to make a private investigator in the medieval world, yes. and then and then one thing led to another, and even the fact that it's called the Dresden Files or the Rockford Files, mm-hmm. and he's I had not made that connection. I think you're probably right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's a. Yeah. I so I, I will start with archetypes or even even established characters. Like I don't know. The first few Call of Cthulhu games we did way back when Call of Cthulhu, Cthulhu came out, uh-huh. we all made a lot of Indiana Jones archetypes. I think yeah. a bunch of us even sure. had whips because that's where you start. Exactly. <laughs> and they probably have stats for whips. <laughs> they do. Hundred percent, they do. Not that you used them. But no. and then and then so you start there and then it sort of morphs as you play. 
I mean, there's a there's a favorite cartoon somebody posted way back, or one of my favorites, oh, that somebody posted way back in the forums, which is somebody made a joke character who was a jester who had like plus two to pie fights. Oh no no no, that was a, a web cartoon. Oh, yes, it was. Yeah yeah yeah. And then it's like when, you know when they first slappy. start, slappy, right? And then at the end, it's like he's holding up the wall. It's like yeah. he's all torn. It's like I love you, slappy. I know. I'll always think of you. Yeah, go, go without me. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, like so you know, good. episode number twenty-three. Yeah. Because your character changes and. <clears throat> where you started is not where you're going to end up. Even like after like the third game, you're like you suddenly sort of lock in. You don't yeah. even really know doing. who your character is when you start it in the game. <laughs> no. Nope. You know what I mean? No, like you can like have an idea and you made a backstory and all these things, but it definitely changes and you definitely get to know them as you go. Yeah, yeah. And you figure out who they are as when you figure out how they react to certain events. And that. Yeah, and even interacting sometimes with the rest of the party yeah. will help establish. It's like, yeah. All right. So thank you again, and we'll be thanking you more. Who was that? Ruth from yes. England. And then, okay, let, let me. Ten sh- years of doing this, we've never come up with a random question generator, and it took Ruth to do it. Thank you, <laughs> thank, thank you. you so much. <laughs> if we get a big random question generator, we don't need listeners. Oh, that's a terrible idea. We'll replace all of you. See, what we need, though, is like, we need, like, um, cards that have different, like, parts of questions on each one, and then you just, like, flip, and then they switch, and they make new questions every time. Like a big wheelie, big, big crank. Did you have, like, like a slot machine? Or like a question. Yeah, right. Oh, keep up. I know. I was with you. I was I wasn't plugging Decima, but I was like, I can make this game. Is it? Inventory, you got a lot of inventory you're sitting on there. So. No, okay. <laughs> it's all still in the warehouse. They ship it out from the warehouse. It's oh, they do. Okay. Yeah, I you don't have to worry about it in my house at all. Oh, it's good. Right near okay. there. So. Um, <laughs> but she was also very smart and made inventory that's very small. Very small. She could have like 2,000 of them. And on right. another continent, so I never have to see it or count it, it or worry about it. It's like Boggard CDs. It's like we started out with regular jewel cases, then we went to digipacks, which are a little bit thinner, yeah. so it's only like six boxes rather than eight. eight? Yeah. And now we're thinking about going to the little sleeves and only ordering a couple hundred rather than a thousand. See, I went one better. Like, my band is just not doing any fucking CDs. I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're doing all digital fact, distribution. We, we've, we've been talking in the last couple of days about what CD sales might be like, because we haven't had two, we have two yeah. skipped two years of fair, and every year CD sales go like this. It, but it, it's a universal problem. I was just scouring the ASCAP website um, about what other people are doing with this, and they still say it's still forty-five percent of sales is still CDs. It's I know people it's want less a memento. Than 50. Yes, and some people just still do CDs. There's some they're, they're dying off. Yes, by that's the why day. it's forty-five percent, and then places you know abroad. But the point is, it's a it's something Taylor Swift is dealing with it. Oh, sure. She can afford to deal with it, but she's dealing with it. It's, right. it's something that's affecting musicians across the board, no matter who you are. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll talk after because I we, we brainstormed some ideas for merch. Um, anyway, uh, Ruth. Okay, we did that one. Five questions from Daniel in Australia to the venerable Mister Venable and the most wonderful gaming gang. Greetings from the sunburnt country, Daniel from Australia. Here, after a long hiatus, uh, we with our state getting up towards those sweet, sweet vaccination targets and things opening up again. I've been reacclaiming myself to the hobby by catching up on Happy Jacks and heard the Clarin call for emails. Woohoo! Here's a bunch of mini-topics. Use them at whatever pace you choose. Now, there are five. Okay. I, I believe it is five. Let me make sure. One, two, 
three. Yeah, it would have been good if you'd like numbered them <laughs> or bulleted them. I think that's what that's what I'm doing now. Just let's just read the first one. We'll start. There's there. five. There's five of them. Okay. Stork, roll a d five. <laughs> so I was gonna say, like, really five? Just roll a d six and count four. That's so. That's a two. No, it's a d. That's a d twenty. Yeah. Okay. But you, they, you right. rolled. You divided by four. Oh, I didn't hear divide. I, he rolled one through five, so I was like, oh, we'll just go with the actual. You number. divide by four and round up. <laughs> Wouldn't that give you a d five? I yeah, was rolling a, a d. <laughs> yes. So what yeah. number am I reading? <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys are so complicated. Got, got, we have five questions. He rolled a four. Just rolled. Just roll, just read question number four. Like. Here's a six on a D10. You cut it in half, so it's a three. Okay. Three. Okay. Your favorite rule book for fluff. Maybe we'll do two. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a rule book you read for fluff? I have two. The Emerald Empire from Legend of the Five Rings 4th Edition is approximately 97% fluff, including fluff on taint. <laughs> taint fluff, if you will. <laughs> taint fluff. <laughs> Is that like pocket no, lint? No, 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 <laughs> We're not digging lint. into that. We are okay. continuing. I think we should unpack There's the Warner Brothers quote, quote, which is a taint funny McGee. Oh, God. And I have happily read it cover to cover twice now. Especially the taint parts. Uh, I'm especially fond <laughs> of the half page devoted to how different clans make their chopsticks. The other wow. is it? I, know, right? I don't remember that, and I think I have that book, and I think I have thoroughly read through that book, and I do not remember because your eyes glazed over that. Point. I probably, I probably, it's probably a sidebar. I tend to skip sidebars. What need- you don't want to read like pages of what was probably some white dude like guessing how these all different clans made chopsticks i don't know (laughs) (laughs) but it's a fictitious world right i know that but it's still it's like yeah Mm. uh devoted to chopsticks and the other is an indie at the very top the other is an indie up here. Oh, the other is an indie game called Beautiful Anomalies, essentially Doctor Who with the serial numbers filed off. Yeah. But that summary does the game a great disservice. It is currently undergoing a second edition development, but first edition has some of the most delightful fluff I've ever encountered, some laugh-out-loud whimsical, and some poetic and tragic. On a blue note, on a related note, the blue is the next blue line. Is the next it's line. not a blue note. <laughs> blue note would be like the flattened five. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> tell us about a setting you love. I'm deeply excited with the new edition of Blue Planet, Sequest DSV, with the generous side of the helping from James Cameron's Avatar. And I recently got access to the previous edition via Kickstarter. I'm looking forward to quite to a quiet moment to digest the setting. But the premise has me hooked. <coughs> you want you want to, your fall over dead. Ah, uh, uh, okay. I tend to read, and I hate I hate myself for this. Uh, a lot of the World of Darkness fluff. I I went through a lot of the vampire clan books, reading about what they did, where they were, what the, what their philosophies were. Uh, Changeling loved it. I mind that one for a whole game I was doing. I took their courts and I took their fairy, all the whole thing. I really love their fluff. I mean, their games are hard to play, and it's often hard to play because you're having to go through all the fluff to find the rules. But boy, do I love some of their that they they've been around a long time and they put a lot of thought into their world. And some of that stuff 
it's really fascinating reading. I think some of the best fluff books I've ever seen, fourth edition D and D. Yeah, there's that too. That was gonna, that was the second on my list. The plane below. The planes. Mm-hmm. The, those yep. books were fucking fantastic. Were. The game was terrible, but the fluff in those books was amazing. I read the whole thing about the Githyanki and the and the Githyra, and I, I was like, this is so cool. Githyra or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They were called. yeah the, the two. They were they were like one. Then they broke and they fly off. around in boats in the in yeah, the real plane. They're so awesome. The that, whole thing's can't so awesome. What book that, that's not in the plane below. The plane below is the undead one, yeah. which I thought was creepy as fuck. And the only reason I st- and that's the only fourth edition D and D book I still have because I used it to prop up one corner of my bed. <laughs> and when I threw all, when I gave away all my fourth edition books, that one got stuck, and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to keep this one. Was the really Traveler like Five that. too thick? It just would set the book. Well, yeah, that yeah. makes the other two sides <laughs> corners rock. <laughs> but I, I I thought I thought their fluff books were fantastic, and I I, I really. Because they, they don't publish as many books today as they did in, for fourth edition. Not yet. I don't Give know. Time. They, I don't think they will. Because yeah. remember, they had three player handbooks and all Publishing's that. Publishing's expensive too. It is. It's very expensive, and they're they're crowdsourcing it now. They're, yeah. they're having third parties do it and put it on their. But I'm with you. I read. I've got a bunch of those just because they, they used fantastic. to have just separate books. That, yeah, like devoted tons to, of them. Yeah, and they, and, I, and they are. They read like little novels, and they're just each page is full of ideas. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't you play that system, it's full of ideas. Yeah, which is the same thing I do with the World of Darkness Changeling stuff. It's like even though I'm not going to run it, although I'm still really mage curious, really want to play a mage game. <laughs> so do I. Uh, really do. I just I the just whole open ended magic just seems so cool. But anyway. I, I I read it just for the ideas and, and it really inspires. I don't tend to read those books very much. <laughs> um, I I like to make up my own stuff. I almost never run games. I don't think I've ever actually run a game in a setting that came with the game. You don't you um, steal from them though. I, I mean, I think I did in like a way that was like. I have read things about drag, like oh, things okay. like that. Now, before actually I was gaming, I was super into Forgotten Realms and all the mm-hmm. lore with that. Um, like the Seven Sisters, I read like a bunch of their novels, and like I had, I actually had, I don't know if I still have it, I probably would have to look, um, a bunch of actual like D&D game books that had a bunch of fluff in it, even though I didn't play D&D at the time, just because it was cool and it had like information about right. all the different things. Um, so I guess that would be like the closest. Um, generally, if I'm going to run a system, like if like I guess I, a vampire, I kind of dove in, but like super basic, like I didn't do a deep dive. Right. <clears throat> I probably should have. <laughs> People who are listening to the podcast probably would be like, "Well, that you would have done a much better job being adventure if you'd fucking read the book." Kimmy. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's surprising. No, you're how... That's going to put a pin in that. It's, yeah. that's a difficult <laughs> issue. <laughs> I'm going to concentrate over here. Yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> So, but I think those are the ones that, like, I don't know, just, like, the the and the, the d ones, I think just cause for the most part, they're just, they're so, like... I didn't even think about the novels as a source of... Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, I don't know. There was a shit Does ton that of count? <laughs> I, would think, I would say yeah. it does. Yeah. There's, there's four of them that are really, really good. It's, uh, it's like, Dragons of the Autumn Sun or something, mm-hmm. and, and there's, there's, like, four in that, that section that they really hit their stride with. I read the... I don't know if I read... Is it... How many Dritz novels are there? Too many. Five hundred. No, it's not that many. I know. I'm just kidding. Because I, I read like <laughs> the, the Dritz of Mesbarazbin or whatever. <laughs> I can't. I can't remember the yeah. name. Mesbarazbin. The only one I read is, is Post Nasal Dritz. <laughs> 
I read that one. That's kind of his origin story about how he leaves the drow and how all that leaks. stuff. Yeah. And then uh, I think I started the next one. There's something, the shard of something? Or? Mm-hmm. Of Shannara? No. It's, that's, it's, it's one of the big ones. Because th- like, there was like a, a main line of novels about where, where Dritz is part of a party. Mm-hmm. And it's that party. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I don't remember that, but Something I know what you're talking about. I don't remember, yeah. but I didn't. But but and I and I, I suspect they wrote the Dritz origin novel after all that shit was done. Probably yes. I would assume. Yeah. But that's the first one, Crystal Shard. That's it. There you go. The Crystal Shard. Sure. Shards and shards. So. Who knew? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, you tease me about it, but I was right. You were right. There's a difference between shards and shards. A setting that we love. L5R. Yeah. I love L5R. It's so complex and yeah. and rife with with hazardous moral dilemmas. Yeah. It's just awesome. I love it. This drama. Mhm. I get L5R I get so concerned. It's stressful to play it's an stressful L5R. Stressful to play. <laughs> It's, I have the same, if you're not stressed out when you're playing L5R, you're playing L5R. I'm wrong. like, I'm like, okay, <laughs> if I make this decision, <sighs> I, I mean, okay, maybe. Well, you have certain moral certainty too, which is also can be very freeing. That is very yeah. freeing, and yes. I think because I, I played like for the most part characters that were very like, this is my path. It was like, fuck it, this is my path. Like wherever the fuck this takes me, like that is where we're going. There right. may be certain doom at the end of that path, but I know this is the right one. Right. It always ends up in seppuku for me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or duel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or the taint. <laughs> it never no. stops being never funny. not going to be funny. I think remember I the like, first guy that wrote an email in about yes. L five R and taint, and we were like giggling like eleven year olds. Right. Not as and bad. He then as wrote we... an irritated email after that. Yeah, he was really upset at us. He was very disappointed. Like, like, you wrote into a yeah eleven year olds, and you got what you got. He was like, okay, here I'm really looking, and then we were just we just failed all his expectations. Yeah, no. Shot so bad. no, no, I know. <sighs> Sorry, I am. Um, I'm actually a fan of the Traveler universe. Yeah. Oh, uh, the Third Imperium? Uh, just uh, all of the work. Because uh, mm-hmm. you can pick and choose from whatever you want to do and use that as the basis of your story, but people forget how long it's been around and how much work there is and the fact that there's that whole galaxy map online that you can... Travelermap.com or net. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. Astonishing. It's astonishing. It's, it's one of those planets. Vast. You could click on a planet and people have done work on it, mm-hmm. most of them. Well, they give you. They at least give you the, the uni- uh, universal planetary It's code. astonishing. And it's all there. And, you know, every one of those... Like, you find a structure that... Anyway. And that, you know, one of the most amazing so cool. things about that is somewhere... Because that... The, the lore for the third Imperium setting is very contributory. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people who put stuff mm-hmm. into that. Uh, at the time when when the little black books were out back in the late 70s, early 80s, mm-hmm. Paranoia Press was producing third-party stuff for Traveler. Sega was producing third-party stuff for... It was not say is it called Fasa Fasa sorry Fasa was, yeah was producing third party stuff for Traveler so there was a because it was like which you could still use for Mongoose without oh, absolutely too much, without yeah just and I have some of that stuff I got some still, of it on eBay it's still relevant which is awesome the game is so well designed that it didn't need to be fixed one of the things that I little because there's all kinds of little nuggets mm-hmm. like hidden in that Traveler map thing mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying <laughs> and one of them is if you go and look in the the Zodani Consulate. Which is one of the political entities mm-hmm. 
and you zoom in and you start going coreward towards the galactic center mm-hmm. because most of the stars are uncharted mm-hmm. you know they have their you, their codes but they, there's nothing at all but there is a series of star systems that leads from co- the coreward edge of the Zodani empire or Zodani consulate towards the galactic core and it was an expedition that those Zodani sent to see how far they could get to the galactic center because mm. obviously radiation gets really bad when she starts getting too close to each other and there's probably big massive black holes at the center of it and who knows what but there is a huge line of probably 75 or 100 star systems where they jumped from one to another and that those star systems they have, you know, there's more detail about them but you can follow this path and and like the the third imperium and all that is like long gone, yeah. long scrolled off that map. Yep. It's amazing how vast that map is. That map is. It's, it's as big as the actual universe. It seems like because you could. I spent hours just zipping around looking at, and mm-hmm. you, occasionally you'll click on a planet that's been fleshed out by somebody. Mm-hmm. Right. It's very cool. Well, see that because that, one of the things that a lot of these third uh, third party companies did when Traveler first edition Traveler was in its heyday. Is they would produce sector mm-hmm. books, mm-hmm. That, which is basically your own setting. Mm-hmm. That was the, kind of the beauty of it. It's like here's the Imperium if you want to play in the official setting, but you know you just go like one sector this way past the Imperium, and it's a whole different, yeah. different, mm-hmm. different ball yeah. game. And there were because I, I used to own two books c- that Paranoia Press came out with, Beyond and the Vanguard Reaches were the mm-hmm. two of the. Oh, yeah, sectors they reasons. produced. Yep. Those are all on there. All the wow. star systems yeah. and everything are all included it's, in that it's map. Still there. It's still relevant. It still works. Right. <clears throat> anyway, I just and the the technology and all that that game is still still works and is still well thought out and it's still really good. And you yeah. can play a lot of really great games in that system. And you know what, Mongoose Traveler is really supporting second edition. Good for them. Tra- MGT. Good for them because they. I just and this is like the third or fourth notification I got, they just updated the core rulebook again. Mm. So they went in and they fixed a bunch of errata and stuff so you can go and get an updated PDF of the thing. And that's like the third or fourth I, time they do I it. I can't recommend that game. Who, who, not very many people do that. No. They mm. come out with a game and they go, oh, here's an errata sheet. Just stick it in the book somewhere. Fuck you. <laughs> we but talked they, about Mongoose years ago. I actually like their style. It yeah. seems like that they yeah. are very... They're, they're, clearly it's run by nerds and geeks and they are very precious with their... Uh, their IPs. Yeah. Judges Guild. I had I had a couple of Judges Guild products too. There was what something on Trantor? No, it wasn't Trantor. Trantor is from from uh, Asimov. I can't I, remember what it was called. I had a lot of the FASA books for sure. Yeah. And you can still get some of that oh, the stuff. The FASA books were fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there was the Traveler Quarterly Traveler, magazine. The Journal to the Traveler's Aid Society. Okay, and that's still out there on the internet. You, and yeah, again, I have a few copies. It's kind of it. like the Dragon Magazine was for Traveler. For, for Traveler. Right. And it's again Full and, of so many cool settings and, then and ideas and things. FASA came out with their own periodical mm-hmm. called High Passage. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which was their yeah. own, and it's still the digest, it's, the small <laughs> digest size magazine. Mm-hmm. It's still relevant, too. I think I have a copy of it somewhere. And I looked at it, and I'm like, all of these stats still transfer over. Yeah. Cool. It's kind of... It's, kinda, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it, it's really nice when a company like opens up its setting. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And says add to this because you can. I mean, you can always ignore shit that's stupid, mm-hmm. but it gives you so much more shit to mm-hmm. to draw from. Yeah. I love it. You could even take. There's been a couple of traveler offshoots. Uh, there was a Gerps traveler, mm-hmm. and there was a Mega Traveler, 
And some of the lore in that is different, but it's still Mega Traveler's the one has like it's, that's with a big virus thing, the computer. That, exactly. Yes, that's part called. of it. I've forgotten too, but uh, again, it's uh, it's full of nice stuff that you can use in yeah. your campaign somewhere else. That was like the we're going to take the Traveler universe and we're going to have an apocalypse of some kind. And it was D twenty, I think, too, instead of the three D six. Mega Traveler? I don't know. So. Mega Tra- There was a D twenty Traveler. Yeah, that was. But I don't and know Burp's if that Traveler. Was, that was another one, but. Well, yeah, they came All out. That is- they came out with. There was a. I think it's a third edition. Traveler GURPS Traveler, and then they came out with a setting. In fourth edition, for GURPS, really? that was set. Prior to. Terra being brought into the Imperium, mm-hmm. when there was the Solomoni Sphere. Um. It, actually, to. it's before look, the Solomon Sphere. Look at him well, go. I, it's Amazing GURPS. recall. Yeah. It's GURPS. I own them. Okay. I have the books. Well, it's one book. But they, they actually picked... It, it's like t- tech level 10 rather than 15, which is the default traveler mm-hmm. tech level. So it's earlier. And it's like Earth has like has interstellar travel and it has like moved out to a few star systems. And then they kind of bumped into this second Imperium, which is the Volani. Imperium, which is massive, and it's kind of about like like the new kids on the block who just discovered <laughs> FTL travel, and they're all humans. But these humans up here are like, oh, you have pyramids that are how old? Eight eight thousand years. Wow, my starship is nine thousand years yeah. old. <laughs> it's like it's like sun. <laughs> We've been around and flying in space for a long time. What have you been doing? <laughs> it's very much when the uh, the Vulcans came and yeah, yeah up, it's, it's up similar to that. It, it's actually worse because it, there's like this massive empire from the Volani. Mm-hmm. But Volani Vulcans. Hmm. Yeah, well, they're they're, they're, they're just humans though. Mm-hmm. They're still they're all they're all humans. All right. Uh, I think for me. Yeah, yeah. We didn't get to Kimmy. Yeah, it's okay. We right, talked and talked. Mine, mine is homebrew. I actually really love Eldamy. Oh, like, thank you. Like, 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 I think I don't know. I think it's because it was like the first setting we played in, like back right. in four E before we started recording APs or anything. And then, like, we've played a cup, a bunch of campaigns since then, and we've like built the world. And right. I don't know. I just love it. And I, I mean, I'm I love fantasy. Like, even though I almost never play any fantasy games. Right. Like, so I just I don't know. That one's got a special place in my heart. Well, thank you. We were gaming with Chris. <coughs> we're gaming with Chris uh, every other Sunday. Yeah. And, 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 we were talking about the rhinos that you guys yes. had. Right. And, and this new reminded me that that happened in Eldemy. That's yeah, right. It did. It's totally in Eldemy. <laughs> the I am no mere hedge mage. That's, yes. that's when that story came out. Yes, that's right. Yep. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. We but like, Stu reminded me, he goes, that also happened in Elmley. Yeah. 10,000 years from now, yeah. that actually happened in this, in this world. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Should we do one more? Or yeah. I'm looking at the time. Yeah, it's 820. One. Okay. Uh, roll a d4. A d4. Where's the plus d4? One. Yeah. All I see were d8s. You look for a d4 and you see d8s. Four? Four? Which is actually five. Five? Raise your hand and chat. This is you one about fate. Them. None of us really know much about fate. Let's see what he has to I say. Know. It's uh, not you, it's me. How I left fate and fell in love with Cortex. Oh, so it's not about fate. Okay. Never mind. This section will get a bit rambly, so feel free to exercise editorial judgment. None of that here. <laughs> Sorry, I heard Judgment, you mean? 
<laughs> editorial judgment. Oh, yes. Uh, so I heard Stu has been trying to get into the Cortex system and its gorgeous rule book. I'm sorry, what? Okay. Cortex system and its gorgeous rule book. <clears throat> we can say things about that rule book. I don't. It is pretty. It's very. It pretty. does look pretty. At least it's pretty, right? It is. It's it's organization. <laughs> I've had relationships based on less. <laughs> Thank you for that setup, Kimmy. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> but let's see what he has to say okay, before we destroy it. Destroy it. <laughs> and uh, to be perfectly honest, I've just kind of flipped through it and like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh. Um, if he's still struggling, I am. Uh, the core mechanic is a bit strange, but straightforward once you know it. Instigator uh, of the encounter rolls three dice, three or more, ninety-nine percent of the time. Uh, to set the stakes. D4s are poor, up to D12s are top tier. Two dice get added together for a total. For, for a total. Mm-hmm. A third dice is selected for its size, D4 to D12, not its rolled value. See, my this, eyes glazed over already. I'm like, this die is called the effect. So taking a verbal argument as an example, a high total, low effect might be a very minor barb delivered with absolute precision... Whereas a low total high effect could be a social life destroying insult, but potentially easily countered. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah. So's your mother. Yeah. Universal, <laughs> universal comeback. Yeah. Right there, I, right. I actually like. Now I like the Cortex system. I like right. this mechanic. And when we played it um, in Jib's game, I actually really liked how it worked. Still don't like the book. Sorry. Right. Continuing. <laughs> Uh, potentially easily countered. The opposition then makes a choice. Accept the effect dice as a consequence, a la fate, or roll and try to beat the instigating rolls total. This can go back and forth in an escalating game of push, push your luck, until one side fails to beat the total, which results in, depending on the options chosen, some variety of taken out, a la, again, a la fate. Okay. Where I love Cortex over Fate is all the things that would be aspects in Fate have a dice rating. Mm -hmm. And if they apply, you add them to the pool. No metacurrency required. That's nice. Uh, Trying to make some money on the stock market with a D8 insider information, throw that in your pool. Currently suffering from a D10 broken leg. Oh, okay. Uh, The thug trying to cave your, your dome in. Uh, adds it to their dice pool because the final selection is always three dice, two total, one effect. No matter how many dice are in the pool, it allows for a greater variety of factors applied to the roll. Yeah. And as a consistent and as a, a consistency in application of special circumstances without completely throwing off the probability curve, the way a stack of plus twos would in fate. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. The, the, I understand that now. Uh, also calculating probabilities outside of accessing Deep Blue or some other nearby supercomputer is almost impossible, meaning choices are based on guts rather than math, which I quite like. Speaking of L5R, that's one of the reasons I like L5R, because the the keep, roll and keep system, it's really hard to know which is better. Roll four, keep two, mm-hmm. or roll and keep three? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Someone with math, a math degree, can figure that out, or who understands math a lot better than me. Probability, but no one, very few people are going to do it in their head like that. Uh, Fate's single axis, while elegant and simple, starts to feel very restrictive when you want to ramp up your your character complexity. 
And while aspects are always true, uh, the, modifiers. the modifiers to the dice say otherwise, which makes it hard to square that circle. Cortex seems to solve this dilemma by adding width more so than height. Kind of, it reminds me a little bit of what's it, uh, Wild Talents. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons I think I like yeah. it. You, get, you have your dice pool, you pick the things you like. Yeah. And it's like, but that's like, here's the one roll. Yeah. This will decide the whole thing. This is like a push your luck back and forth until someone fucks up. You do a up. lot of rolls. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah. And the one time I played it too, you, everything stops while you assemble your dice pool. So every time you're, you're doing rolls, people are making... So it takes a while to assemble your dice pools every time you're doing an attack. And it can get irritating. So that, so you're in mid-combat and everybody's assembling dice pools every time. Yeah, it's still nothing compared to D&D most of the time. Right. Yeah, but, but at least with D&D, it comes to you, you roll, go, all right, and then it moves nobody on. Nobody does that like No, D&D. that's true. Where am I? <laughs> what's going on? Oh, it's on? my yeah. turn? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was, I was, Where is that? Ca- I was what, checking my phone. What's the, what's the one right there? What's what the happened dot? to the one that was there? Yeah. Oh, it's dead? <laughs> it's not oh. The, it's not the fault <laughs> because it took 20 minutes yeah. for it to for get sure. to them. <laughs> you, you can speed up. Cortex, um, like you just you kind of know ahead of time, and after you get used to it, um, like That's we true. played for weeks, so by then it was like, okay, I, this is my dice pool for ninety percent of the things when we're fighting, and That's this is true. my dice pool for ninety percent of the See, character mechanics. I love uh, push your luck mechanics too. Yeah, like zom- remember you played zombie dice? Oh yeah, <laughs> that it's just such a simple game. But it's so much fun because I gave it of that to everybody push I knew for thing. Christmas one. Yeah. Oh yeah! It's like here, take this camping, and they came back and said thank you. It was like I'm the perfect so sad. camping. The game. app finally broke on my phone. Oh no! My, yeah, oh, I finally updated my. Yeah, it was so cool. I did it not it was like like a couple months ago. It was mid-pandemic because I was playing it a lot on my phone, and finally I upgraded the last iO or iOS, and it was like. And it broke Ew. the app. Yeah. Shit. I was like, oh. Uh, especially how the, uh, the, 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 the cort- cortex. Yeah. More so than height, uh, to 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 the probability space. You can add three d12s to your pool, and that's a huge benefit, especially in how the effect die is chosen. Mm-hmm. But they could all come up ones and leave you failing the roll, regardless. Yeah, that's the same thing with um, Savage Worlds. Yeah, I think it was right. Tappy that that had done or read an article about how it might actually be to your benefit to have lower dice in your pools at the supposed of because well, you have the probability of rolling a d4s are going to explode twenty five percent of the there time. There you go. Right. Yeah. That's it. And yeah. Uh, I hope Stu will give it another chance. I haven't even not given it a chance yet. Yeah. I mean, cortex I, or fate? Cortex. Yeah. I flipped through the book. Yes. I, I do want to try running it. Yes. Because I, I, I am intrigued by it. I, I don't know if I'll run Cortex Prime or if I'll run one of the like pre-Prime books. Yeah. Numbers. Uh, again, I think we like the system. We hate the book layout. And the book organization. And it, who, who knows? It might make sense once you actually start going through it, and you're like, "Oh, there is a method." To, maybe there is. I don't know. But it seems like I bought a construction, a role playing game construction yeah, set. A little bit, yeah. There's there's a lot of optional stuff in there that, like, if you want to do it this way, and if you want to do it this way, and they they need to have just like, I don't know. It, it, they make it more complicated. Even as somebody who played a full campaign of it, like looking through it, I'm a little bit like, oh. see, I started doing that with Moment of Truth. Yeah. When I originally started doing Moment of Truth, there was there was all kinds of stuff you could change, and then I'm like, yeah. I'm not giving anyone a game. I'm saying, here's yeah. how you can build a game that's like this game that I kind of made. I've been doing the same thing in Starscape. Like I had all these things, and oh, this is optional. You can do this if you want. You can do this if you want. And then people were like, I, I don't I don't know what to do. And you're you, like, oh, yeah. oh, 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 you want you want me to tell you how to play? That's why you're buying a game. 
Got it. <laughs> Turns okay, out, cool. yeah, <laughs> we discovered the same thing. Yeah. I and I was like, and, and I ended up putting a few sidebars, mm-hmm. which I always skip. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> fine when you're writing a game. Right. Put this in the sidebar, but that's almost all I ever read in a game. Me book. too. <laughs> Me too. But I think I'll put in a sidebar and say, like, because I called them dials. I think, like, yeah. if you want, you can, you, like, your target number can change if you want a more gritty game or blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And so, but in the, there's like two or three sidebars in the book somewhere that, like, if you want that to be like this, here's some optional rules that you yeah. can because it's different if you have optional rules rather yeah. than here. Here is some Lego. Yeah. yeah, make a role playing game yeah. out of it. Or recommendations because Wild Talents does that too. It's like if you want this type of game, build characters with this many points, have the bad guys be about this many points. Right. And then if you want a super huge like Superman apocalypse level game, this many points. So the hero does that. Yeah, and so um, it's basically like it's the same mechanics. You can just like like ratchet up like how how extreme it is, but it's right. still in the same framework of the system, which I think that's a great way to do it. Um, you can consume and digest the additional modules one at a time, considering how they change the core game before moving on. Don't try to just read it end to end. That's like going out for dim sum, throwing the whole meal in a blender, and chugging the results. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Which is exactly what it's like once it's in your stomach. Yeah, but... Yeah, but <laughs> what's the point? <laughs> why, why rush to that? I mean... Like, I get that. I, no, I, why, my why? gag reflex is going too. I don't know, but I, I, I don't understand why, because that's how it's going to end up once I've eaten it. There Maybe is. it's because I'm. It, it's like it, once it's been blended, it's like eating food that someone else has already chewed for you. Okay, so like I'm trigger, going back. Trigger warning. Yeah, I'm going back. So so basically, we're supposed to read the book like we do the Silmarillion. <laughs> exactly. We don't read go. it from beginning to end. We read it as small individual pieces. Right. That yes. was my mistake with the Silmarillion. Yeah, you can't I tried read to read it, it like I was doing reading Lord of the Rings, and no. instead, it was I don't like, think anyone's actually supposed to read the Silmarillion. It was not supposed to be read. Nobody is supposed to read yes. it. There's like leftover That's like, stuff. They like my Mandite novels, I have a Bible. Yeah, that I, it's a separate word document. It's like every time I introduce a new character, here's a character, cut and paste what their dis- physical description yeah. was. A little bit about who we the character know, is. We know that's our big do. plan. When you die, we're going to publish it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like twelve pages long. I'll put a thing in the beginning. Don't read this like a book, end to end. Read it like individual stories. <laughs> in all fairness, and maybe Kimmy could can. Say light on this. I mean, I was 14 when I read the Silmarillion, oh, and I yeah. only read it in That's English. That's probably about it, how old I was when I tried to read it. And I read it, it in too. English. It's probably better than the original Elven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. No? <laughs> no. I mean, I read it like my early 20s. I was when so I read hoping it. you were going to correct me on the Elvish language name. It's Quenya, but. Uh. <laughs> Thank you. Or Zindarin, depending on which elven race you're talking It would have been in the about. original Zindarin, don't you think? No, no, no. Quenya was the older one. That's oh, okay. like the original then, language. Then Zindarin definitely. is like what Legolas speaks, because it's... Never mind. Anyway. No! Uh, <laughs> See? That's awesome. Yeah. That's that's like the the wood elf language. It's like the younger language. The, ooh, and which one did people. you learn to speak? Uh, Quenya, I did. Quenya, okay. Because I've got class. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, actually. Um, and you, actually. And you hate dwarves. <laughs> No, I don't. You turn your back on them when they're in need. <laughs> uh, Wasn't he one of them? Yeah. Who? What? The the dude with on the elk in the movie. Oh, he's Sindarin. Well, uh, actually, I don't know. Yeah, I think he he is Sindarin. Elrond is. No, Elrond is half elven. Um, Galadriel is. That's uh, right. Is spe- spoke Quenya because she's actually from Valinor. I actually don't remember if. 
Legolas's father, whose name I can't think of right now. I, I can't remember either. He's, he is like one of the the kings of the Sindarin elves, but I don't know if he is. Um, I think I think he is Sindarin. I'm almost 100 percent positive because oh, okay. I don't think he is from. He came from Valinor because he seems all foofy too. Yeah. But, but I guess that's also movie. the movie, and that movie is terrible. So nothing in that movie. Oh, ever. that's right. That was a, that was uh, that was in the Hobbit. Wasn't we don't that? speak of those yeah. I still I stand. That know. first movie, especially that fucking song, was goddamn awesome. Yeah, it was really good. It was so good. Awesome. It started so well. <laughs> oh yeah, it did. I had to. Uh, so I, I got pissed off when they kept running back and forth in the mine for like forty-five oh, yeah. minutes. Or the run, run. Well, that's uh, the second movie, isn't uh, it? I don't know. I never that, watched that's that. for the that's that's all second movie stuff, isn't it? The barrels weren't the barrels in the first um, movie. I try not to think of them. Well, the I barrel, the barrel. I remember the barrels that happened. My gag reflexes. Yeah, but not for like fifty minutes. It wasn't like a. Like, and the CGI that was terrible. Yeah, it was so bad. It's like let's watch bad CGI because water's super easy to make in CGI. Let's make <laughs> a whole scene of that. That's fine. <laughs> and then put Legolas like trying to light leap. Yeah, that what really helped in the realism. Anywhere. Let's and let's like make like. Like try and make him look younger, like really yeah. desperately, so right. he looks super. So the physics of hopping around on a barrel is bad enough, but let alone when you. Okay, Wait, I don't think we have enough time in this no. podcast <laughs> or the re- or the rest of the podcast this month for me to like continue about. You know that movies. dim something we got you going. This is getting my gag reflex here. Okay. of the Merkwood. Yes, thank you. Okay. All right. Thank you, Daniel from Australia. Yes. The Talari, who never saw that. Oh, Erica, I love you so much, Erica. Odd. They're like geeking out with. Lord of the Rings stuff. Thanks. Right on. So, yeah. And I need all that. Did all we that actually? Stuff like. Were we supposed to answer or something? Or <laughs> no, he was just telling us about <laughs> it. Oh, yeah. okay. I agree. I, I am not actually a Fate fan. Like, it seems like a game that would be like right up my alley, but it's a little bit too wiggly, squishy for me. It's like I don't know. It, it, I spend a lot of time looking at aspects and figuring out how I can game it. In any situation, I'm like, is there darkness? Is it dark? Is it old? Is it what? And I'm always looking and looking. And what can I? What can I tap? What can I tap? And it's cheap. And, and it's, and all, it's I'm almost out of the like game it's a game that's point. making you a min It is not a min maxer, but like a munchkin. And, I, and, and so I'm out of the combat now, and I'm busy looking for things that I can exploit right. for my mm-hmm. uh, next turn. And it's not. I'm out of the game. I'm not I'm not right. role playing anymore. Exactly. I'm trying to figure out an exploit. All right. Uh, the thing is that it. Yeah. First time, huh? <laughs> Good job. Thank you for joining us for season twenty-nine, episode was it ten? Ten of Happy Church Show Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. I think I'm Stork. Yeah. I might. It might be ten. And we'll see you not next week, not the week after, but the week after that, January whenever six in two thousand and twenty-two. Twenty twenty-two. Thank you very much, and we'll see you then. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.